Welcome to Turn One, a Formula One podcast. and Jeremiah. Welcome to Turn One Podcast recap of the 2023 British Grand Prix. We're going to dive right into this with our race recap in 15 minutes. And if you want to stick around for a discussion afterwards, we're going to talk about all the controversy that happened during this race. But Jeremiah, here we go. We've got five lights up. They're off and we're away. So Verstappen has massive wheel spin to start it off, giving Lando Norris a wonderful wide open lane to take first. Insane, because now we have a McLaren in the lead. Piastri decides to bail out, doesn't want to get involved, stays in third. Leclerc follows through. Signs back uh, breaks early to avoid Charles, so Russell goes up the inside of Signs. Hamilton will follow through. Uh, Albon had to lift for tire spin himself, so Alonso is going to take that position as well as Gasly. Stroll gets a good start, goes up the inside of Hulkenberg, so Hulkenberg's going to drop down a position. Ocon and Sargent are going to follow them through. Perez goes really wide to avo- avoid Ocon as he gets a massive leap on the outside but has to break. So he's gonna get he's gonna have to unfortunately move down a couple spots and Sonoda's gonna take that spot. DeVries goes up the inside of Joe Guan Yu and Joe getting on the brakes early to avoid Perez, who's doing that wonderful maneuver that I was talking about. Botas gets off the line fast, which kind of leaves Kevin Magnuson to fall down to 20th position. There's your turn one summary and a quick look back at that. As you come out of turn one, your order is Lando Norris, then Max Verstappen, Piastri, Leclerc, Russell, Sines, Hamilton. Uh, Jeremiah mentioned real quick that Piastri had backed out of a move that he was wanting to take. If you go back and watch the turn one replay, Piastri dove, and I mean faster than I've seen any car move to the inside line, trying to get around both Lando and Max. But to give some Piastri some credit, he raced smart all day long. So then I guess more what I'm talking about is in the next couple turns after that, whenever he, yeah, he bailed out completely. <laughs> he bailed out. Yeah. He wasn't his race wasn't with Max, and I think he knew that. And he uh But I thought he'd try it just for fun. He played smart. Okay, looking at uh Jeremiah talked through turn one and turn two a little bit. They run very similarly at the Silverstone circuit. Um Hamilton ran way wide off the track. I think you caught that. Um, and then Hamilton actually dropped behind both Alonzo and Albon for a little bit before repassing Albon and then um Gasly, who joined the party to get back into the eighth. Okay. They go around lap one in that order, and now we are into the lap by lap. Lap two, Lando Norris is looking to get that one second on Max Verstappen because Lando Norris has not led a race all season, and he's got the seven-time race winner behind him for 2023. At home. At home. And lap three, he gets it, 1.1 seconds in lap three. I was looking at Sergio Perez because he qualified low. We'll get to that later. He was still down in 15th. Sargent had moved down to 16th, a little bit disappointing start for him and Alex Albon down to the 10 spot. Lap four, Verstappen has shrunk the lead to half a second and he gets that DRS on Lando Norris. So Lando Norris is using his battery to defend against Verstappen. Moving into lap five, 
Verstappen at the Brooklyn's turn gets the overtake. He had DRS coming up the uh, the straight, uh, and then he uh, fights with Norris all through Luffield, which if you're not familiar with Silverstone, all the turns have names, and they're very iconic. <laughs> and you'll hear Brooklyn's and Luff- Luffield throughout this review. Signs and Russell, five and six, battling through the Stowe turn, and they almost collide, so much so that Ferraris, both of Signs and Leclerc, are swerving all of the track. Signs trying to avoid a collision, and Leclerc trying to block George Russell from a pass. George Russell came on the uh, the radio, and he was like, I'm pretty sure that was uh, breaking or, or turn, oh, swerving yeah, under braking. moving under braking. Yeah, yeah, I did catch that. I think, you know, it's one of those things where all the drivers are going to kind of try and find a way to put people in the timeout section. Absolutely. Uh, lap six, Norris is told that Piastri is holding position. I think this was a good strategical move by McLaren. You're up in the top five. Let's not take any risks. We're just going to run in our two, three positions that we're holding right now. Uh, going back to what I mentioned at the start of the race, Piastri did really well all day with the strategy. He didn't fight battles. He didn't need to. He kept up with his teammate. Really good day from the rookie in a brand new car. <laughs> yeah, he, this is one of the things that I've been waiting to talk about for a while, because when we look at Nick DeVries versus Yuki Sonoda and we look at Logan Sargent versus versus Alex Albon, Yuki Sonoda is destroying Nick DeVries. Alex Albon is destroying Logan Sargent. But Lando is not destroying Piastri. Mm-mm. They, were, mean, granted, they were the same even when the car was rough. They were running similar spots. Right. It's not like Piastri's winning by any means in this little duo battle that they have. Lando Norris is still clearly winning the whole duel. But he's not that far off, and it's kind of cool to watch as a rookie, man. Looking at the end of lap six... Lewis Hamilton gets DRS on Fernando Alonso and overtakes him for seventh, and he would hold that for the rest of the race, which we'll get to this like at the end. Aston Martin did not have a powerful car in Silverstone. Just I couldn't it, pass anybody. I have at lap seven, Alonso not looking impressive, probably going to be a bad day for Aston Martin. Yeah, and Lance Stroll didn't move up hardly at all. He got a place nope. here or there during the pit stops, but couldn't move up. Uh, Sergio Perez starts to cut through the track, uh, cuts through the field at lap six. He passes uh, Nico Hulkenberg, who makes some dangerous moves across the track, which they were they were saying that he could possibly cited for uh, some unsportsmanlike conduct, but he wasn't. Lap eight, a common theme throughout the day for Max Verstappen was comments on the wind, the car pulling weird, and then also his tires not feeling quite right, especially when he switches to the softs towards the end of the race. For those of you that don't know, Silverstone is built on an old World War II Royal Air Force base, and it's pretty flat and pretty open, and there's just a lot of wind, so it really throws the cars off that are built like upside-down planes, basically. Really cool, though. It is really cool. Lap 9, Verstappen gets his DRS lead over Norris at 1.1 seconds. Piastri sticking to Norris. This is where they start questioning if they switch drivers, and they don't. Uh, but the McLarens do have a three to four second lead on the Ferrari of Le- Leclerc in fourth, which is impressive. And the first Alpine of the day, Esteban Ocon has a hydraulic leak and he's out. I don't know what it is about Alpine, but it feels like whenever they're having a good day, they stay. if they stay in the race, then they finish okay. If they, But if if they don't finish okay, it's because something happened to the car. They're the new McLaren. <laughs> Well, I don't know if I would sink anybody that low, but 
Lap 11, Red Bull reports light rain in two to three minutes. We won't see rain actually play a factor really in today's race at all, but a couple teams comment on it. Alonzo's still an eighth, and I put in parentheses, not making up any ground. Um, Stroll had moved up one to 11th. Perez has moved up three to 12th. The only instance I caught in this entire race of rain <laughs> was George coming on and them talking about or him saying that he saw raindrops on his visor again. And in my mind, and even the announcers, old Crofty, he was like, is it really rain this time, George? Was it last time sweat? Yeah, it was sweat. George Russell, if you're going to watch one driver throughout the day or listen to one driver's radio, listen to George Russell. That guy's the funniest guy on the grid. And and you would never know that just watch looking at the guy, but he's the funniest guy on the grid. Well, he's not doing it intentionally, which is what makes it so funny. It's just him. Uh, George Russell, also the only driver in the top 10 that started the day on softs. They were trying to go for an overcut strategy uh, of running long on the softs. There were other drivers outside the top 10 that started on softs. Everyone else started on mediums. And the question was, how long could he go and how much could he work his way up the pack? It turns out he could go forever on those tires. He could. He could go forever. He went as long as people on mediums, but he only made up one spot. That's true. It wasn't much of an advantage, but it also wasn't Mm -hmm. much of a hindrance, as we saw, because he was able to make those tires last anyway. He also might have hurt himself later on by showing all the other teams how long the softs could last, which we'll get to that after a little safety car incident. Uh... Lap 13, uh, Gasly in ninth place, gaining on Fernando Alonso in eighth and starting to bring a fight to Alonso, which again, Aston just wasn't having a great day. Uh, Lap 14, Hamilton in seventh. He's told to push. Russell struggling to stay in the track. We're seeing some carryover issues from Austria where the Mercedes car struggles to turn in high-speed turns. They're really good low speed. They've got a lot of torque, I guess. They can really put it to the ground and go, but anything high speed, they fly off the track. And then lap 15, Verstappen reports light drizzle. Again, nothing really there. Lap 16, Norris has two track limits uh, notices. One more and you get a... uh, Is it one more and you get a black and white flag or one more and you get a penalty? It's three infractions and you get a black and white flag and then after that you get the penalty. Okay, so he had two more technically to get before he got a I believe that's correct. If I'm wrong on that, don't come I think you're me. right. I think you're, <laughs> they're going to come for you. All right. Uh, uh, I wanted to add real quick because lap 16, since we're on this one already, Perez is in the points, so it took him 16 laps. He goes from 15th to 10, finally makes his way into the points. So here again, another recovery drive for Mr. Sergio Perez, but we'll talk about that later. Let's keep going with the lap by lap. Well, and that's a key thing. Recovery drive. What if he wasn't always having to recover? And that's what we'll bring up later. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Uh, lap 17, I know. Stroll still in 12. What's happening to Aston Martin? <laughs> and then and then right after that, Carlos Sainz is told by the pit wall, hey, let's go to plan B. And Carlos yes. says, I don't know what plan B is. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Leclerc in lap 18 is told to box him and Carlos are running slightly, slightly different strategies, but overall Ferrari went for an undercut on Mercedes at the time is who they were looking to race. And again, towards the end of the race, it turns out that none of that really mattered. It all kind of worked out to being roughly where it would have been if both teams ran a normal strategy. You know, in a world where Ferrari had, by the time they were done with the races, by the end, like last year, they were on plan F plan G, whatever, you got to understand that these drivers were memorizing like 18 plans going into a race. 
And now in a season where they really haven't had to worry about that, Carlos is over here forgetting plan B, <laughs> let, let alone plan C, D, E, F, and all the other ones. He doesn't even know what's going on with plan B. He's like, oh, we're not going to go with plan A? Oh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> there is there is no other plan. Yeah. Lap, lap 20 max questions Ferrari's undercut because he's watching the video boards. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> how they can pull that away. Um, and then lap 21, McLaren is debating to change strategy based on what Ferrari does. But as we all know, you should never trust a Ferrari strategy and change your strategy to match theirs. So McLaren's smartly did nothing in lieu of Ferrari's action. Right. And they, they came out to talk to Lando about it. And Lando came back and said, no, man, the pace is great. The tires are still great. I'm good. And they're like, all right, we'll keep going. Yep, so that was actually in lap 25. Well, it was before that, too. So in lap 25, I noted that McLaren asked Norris for a second time how long they can last at that pace, and Norris just says again twice, yeah, I'm good. I think what it is is they're not sure of the limits of that new car that they've made. <laughs> it's, I, I want to say it was that, but then I also caught hints of they saw that maybe the, the hards on Leclerc were starting to break in a little bit. And they were fi- starting to find some pace. And so in their mind, they're thinking, oh, they're just going to get faster and faster and faster while everybody else degrades. And come to find out that wasn't the case. But I believe they were probably just scared that the Ferraris could go for a massive undercut. Yeah, absolutely. So in lap 29, actually, Hamilton in fifth or Hamilton gets fifth because both Ferraris pit. So if you're the Ferrari strategist, you're thinking, oh, we're going to have fresh tires. We're going to compete with the Mercedes. If you're Mercedes, we're thinking. We're just going to run longer, faster on the tires that we're on and delete your pit stop, basically, which is kind of what they did a little bit. Again, it all kind of worked out to being a wash. Before you take off of lap, you said lap 29, correct? Lap 29. Do you have anything else for that lap? Uh, I have the order of the race, which was kind of interesting. And then I have uh, Russell's softs not really working because, again, it just kind of worked out to be the same. Nothing else, though. So I saw in lap 29 that Russell had finally pit to take the softs off for the first time after 29 laps on yep. the soft tires. Here's the kicker, though. All that time, if you were watching, they put up a little display when it was Leclerc and uh, Russell, and it was like if Russell pit now, he would come ahead of Leclerc here. If he pit now, he'd be behind Leclerc. He had worked that up to where he would have had a massive, like he would have been fine coming out, and then he would have come out in front of Leclerc and had all that gap. Come to find out, They gave him a 3.9 standstill pit stop in Mercedes, causing him to come out behind Leclerc. I was like, oh, oh, no, (laughs) what are you doing? So they did that. I I did have one more note. What tires did they put him on? They put him on mediums when everybody else in the race would be switching to softs. That would be the biggest advantage he would have gotten by running the softs that long is that he can go softs, mediums, rather than mediums hard. Right. Safety car kind of threw a wrench in that plan. <laughs> Lap 30, Piastri finally pits. Piastri comes out in six. Don't you know that guy's feeling just a ton of joy being like, I just pit and I came out in six. What a crazy right. day. Um, Signs is finally finding some race pace. He passes Lance Stroll for 10th and he gets the fastest lap. And then George Russell is chasing down Leclerc. He gets DRS towards the Brooklyn's turn, gets the outside line around Luffields and gets the overtake. Those medium tires on George Russell's car have way more grip than everybody else in the field is running with the hards. Oh, yeah. All right, lap 31, Piastri flies past Gasly for fifth. Crazy the difference in McLaren and Alpine now versus a few weeks ago or even a few seasons back. 
and there's a thought that Piastri could actually be ahead of Norris because Norris has yet to pit. So it's kind of interesting to see where that was going to work out. Lap 32, your boy K Mag's on fire. <laughs> Just stopped I, right in the middle of the track. I caught it on lap 33, so it might have happened on 32, but I put K Mag engine lights on fire, safety car. <laughs> so one quick side note, it's always confusing. So the lap at the top left of your screen, if you're watching on ESPN or Sky Sports, is whatever the leader is on. Right. And usually with his, with Max Verstappen being the leader, usually if you're watching anybody else, they're always like behind. <laughs> <laughs> But not just behind, like on the same lap. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like behind Max might be on lap thirty-three, and you know we might have somebody like Hulkenberg or Magnussen that 31. might have just finished just finished thirty-one, and they're working on thirty-two. Okay, virtual safety car issued. Uh, I knew that that wasn't going to stay a virtual safety car. Hamilton no Alonso, Hamilton Alonso just passed the pit windows. They missed their chance there. Leclerc boxes, Norris finally boxes. Lap 34, two full laps later, the full safety car is issued. That was a long time to wait for a full safety car. Then everybody comes in, Verstappen, Norris, Hamilton. Uh, and you have an entirely new order for the race with your top five being Verstappen, Norris, Hamilton, Piastri, and Russell. Norris pits for the hard and in big bold letters I put why question mark turns out I was the one in the wrong here that's so funny you say that because my note is Lando pits for hards question mark yep it doesn't make any sense if you're any car but the McLarens but apparently McLaren knew that the hards worked on their tire for that track and kudos to them oh Zach Brown's figuring it out the biggest winners from the safety car are Lewis Hamilton, who moves up into third, and the biggest losers, I put at the time, were Piastri and Russell, mainly just because they lost positioning to Lewis. Um, lap 35, George Russell comes on, and he's upset that Hamilton boxed and, and passed him, essentially, and now Hamilton's on the softs, and Russell's on mediums, I believe, at the time. Right. Uh, the same mediums that he switched to. And K Magstar was still on the track. They had to figure that out. Lap 39, a full like seven laps after all this started, the race restarts. McLarens are on hards competing against Verstappen. And I fully expected Verstappen and the Mercedes to pull away from the McLarens. And boy, was I wrong. Here's my notes on lap 39. Verstappen pulling away, Hamilton right on Norris, Russell right on Piastri, Hamilton trying to defend around the Luffield turn, Norris defending well, Hamilton gets a toe at Cops. Norris defends again. And when I say defense, I mean whips With in front everything. of Hamilton. Whips right in front of Hamilton in one move, doesn't do a back and forth, doesn't do it under braking. Perfect defense from uh Norris. Lap 40, Hamilton tries again at Luffield. Norris still gets the lead. A little bit less of an effort from Lewis on that one. Hamilton gives up the racing line to Norris as well. And Russell comes on the radio and says, That McLaren is so quick on those hards, it's impressive. Yeah, speaking of Oscar Piastri, by the way, not Lando Norris, which is even crazier because he's talking about a rookie. Yep. Because he was battling Piastri. Yeah. Uh, I put in a question marks here. Is McLaren cheating? We'll get to that later. Well, hold on, hold on. Uh, <laughs> I did want to add one more thing. Um, I did help. I couldn't help but notice the fact that Max, he was, you know, he did the regular thing. So whenever you're the one that can control the race restart, you're going to zip left and right and do some final warming up of the tires because you can do whatever you want. You decide when it starts. And then, of course, right behind him, you've got Lando Norris and Hamilton just locked in, not shaking their steering wheel at all, just waiting for the moment he takes off. And yet 
I don't know if you caught this and maybe, maybe this had something to do with the type of tire that he was on. So maybe they weren't as up to speed, but Max kind of caught Lando sleeping just a little bit. I mean, Max bit. took off on that restart. Lando's not used to running in that position in <laughs> yeah. these races. He doesn't know what Max does at the front. He never he sees has it. No idea. Uh, lap 41, Lance Stroll moves up to 11th from 12th, but he goes off track, gains an advantage. That was very interesting how the stewards handled that situation. Uh, lap 42, Perez gaining on signs in 7th. Verstappen reports that he's not liking his soft tires, and Hamilton is back in DRS range on Lando Norris. Lap 43, the battle between Perez and Signs continues for 7th. And then lap 44, things fall apart for our dear friend Carlos Signs, where he gets passed by both Sergio Perez and Alex Albon at the very start of lap 44. And uh, Leclerc as well gets past him a little bit after like one or two turns later. Signs lost a total of three places in five corners because he was stuck on the hard tires. And I could be wrong, but I want to say he actually got passed by four people, but then was actually able to regain that position back. But it was just, there was one incident there where he just lost all of his momentum and just got sucked into the vacuum of cars. At the end of lap 44, Gasly caught up to him. Lap 45, Gasly passed him at left field and then signs took it back at the end of the turn. Okay. Okay. So, so that's what so, I saw. Gasly dove, took the spot, and then by the end of the turn, Carlos Sainz had pulled it back out because I guess the Ferrari is still just quicker than the the sure. Alpine car. Right after that, Gasly's out of the race, so it didn't really matter anyways. <laughs> the way it happened, too. He, he, uh, he broke his suspension. He was swerving all over the place. It's a double DNF for the Alpines, and it's because Lance Stroll lammed right into him. He gets pushed off the track. And then when he goes to re-enter, instead of breaking and letting him pass so that he could have a clean entrance, jumps right onto the track and slams right into the side of him, breaking his suspension and ending, unfortunately, his race. Lap 46, Sergio Perez is chasing down Fernando Alonso, something that we've seen pretty constantly this year is the Red Bull car chasing down and passing an Aston Martin. He does get past him on the hanger straight into the stow turn, and now Perez is running sixth. Lap 47, Lewis Hamilton's tires, his softs are cooked, and he's being told to cool the tires, which means you can no longer push, which means wherever you are in the race, you better stay there. Lap 48, George Russell, black and white flag. You've got four more laps, buddy, to not go off the track. Right. And so does Lando Norris, which is way more important for Lando Norris to stay where he is at the time. Lap 50, Alex Albon, a name you don't often hear in the top eight, defending from Charles Leclerc. And then Stroll at this time was given a five-second penalty for taking out Esteban Ocon, which seems really light. I don't know. Even the announcers made point of that is that that seems kind of light in respect of the fact that you just ended some dude's race and you're only given a five-second penalty. The final battle, lap 52, came down to Charles Leclerc trying to get past Alex Albon, and he just couldn't get it. Alex Albon had the defense down. Alonzo took advantage of all of this and removed himself from the situation and pulled off ahead of them, but Alex Albon holds on to it. The race ends. Verstappen finally gets a British Grand Prix win. You have the finishing order as Max Verstappen, Norris, Hamilton, Piastri, Russell, Perez, Alonso, Albon, Leclerc, and Sainz. That is your top 10. Pretty good race. 
We did that in 21 minutes and some change. We will cut that down to 15 in the next couple of race recaps. <laughs> Real quick, Red Bull still at 100% for the season in terms of wins between Max and Sergio. Verstappen moves into 80% wins for the season. Yeah, and Red Bull, didn't they? I can't remember what the actual acc- acc- uh, acclimate was. 11 in a row. 11 in a row with McLaren also. And uh, Lando Norris gets driver of the day, but I think the best note was Verstappen now has enough points to lead both the drivers and the constructors championship on his own. It, that's one of those stats where if you if you're a person that plays the F1 video game, you might do a career mode where you drive for a team like Haas or Alfa Romeo or you might do a Williams and you might have the difficulty just a little bit too easy. So you're winning Pretty. every race. So, yeah, so you're winning every single race. And so you single handedly are winning the constructors for your team and the world drivers championship. <laughs> like those are video game numbers he's putting up. Okay, let's dive into some of the post-race stuff, and then we'll look back through the race and talk about how qualifying impacted this in the next five or ten minutes, so however long we want to talk about it. Uh, Common theme from the post-race interviews between Verstappen and Hamilton, the McLaren was quick, and the teams recognize and really are impressed by McLaren. Yeah, the overall energy was very surprised, happy, energetic. It felt like almost... Every driver was coming over and patting him on the back when he was uh, Lando out of, on the back when he was trying to get out of his car. And then in the debrief, when they're in the cool down room, Max and Hamilton were just busting jokes and talking about m- the McLaren speed and how they were able to go through different turns and corners. And then they were watching the footage up on the screen and like, wow, <laughs> it was kind of funny to watch. If, even Crofty and Brundle were like, we can't have these guys being mates. <laughs> right. <laughs> they need some drama, some action. Verstappen was a. Uh... Well, Verstappen was asked about his race start, and he said that Norris getting the pass and 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 Piastri coming up on his side made it more exciting. What kind of psychopath are you, Max Verstappen? <laughs> but you have to understand that whenever what are we at? That was lap. That was race nine that he's won now. Eight that he's won. He's won eight of ten. Yeah. So if you've won eight races and the like 99, 98% of the time you've led the laps, I would imagine every now and then you want somebody to pass you so that you can get a little bit more action. I mean, even when we go go-karting and then if I'm the first one out, I'll typically pull over to the side and let a bunch of people pass me. Cause you get, you get bored out there. Yeah. You, you just slow down, take your foot off the gas. He wants to qualify and last and just make it exciting. Uh, Norris said that he brought the fight to Max as long as he could. I agreed. He made that a competitive race for a while. He he, he only finished how far back did he finish? For less than four seconds, three point seven seconds back. That's one of the closest finishes of the season <sighs> with the safety car. I know, but still one of the a closest late finishes safety of the car. Season. Um, and then uh, what did Hamilton say? Hamilton said the straight line speed of the McLarens is impressive. And I think Hamilton had a feel-good moment because he even said this in an interview. It was great for him to see the team that he started with doing good again. It made him kind of have a feel-good moment for his own personality because it's like he started his career there. And since he's left that team, I don't think that they've been anything at all. And so now to be able to see steady results like that where they have speed on merit, they finished in two and what, two and four. So, yeah, I would be pretty happy too. 
like 2017 through 2019, they were competing for the four spot, right, with Alpine, but that was about as good as they've been since he left. And, and Hamilton continued that theme in the cool-down room. He said it was a little muffled, but he said something to the effect of the McLaren's a rocket ship. I heard mm-hmm. that. And then he said that he couldn't believe how good the McLaren was. He said, quote, it was nice to watch. Yeah. Look at Hamilton praising another team. Okay, some guys that had a good day. Hamilton moved up four spots in total. Perez moved up nine. I think we expected that from Perez. Uh, Alex Albon held on to eighth, which is a good day if you are a Williams in the top ten. Absolutely. Who had a bad day? Leclerc and Sainz. They both lost five places from their start. Alonso, while he did move up from nine to seven, that's not a great day if you're an Aston Martin in 2023. And Lance Stroll, who moved from 12th down to 14th. Actually, he finished in 11th, I believe, but because of his little penalty, he goes down to 14th, and that is just a bad day overall for the Astros. Right. And then, of course, you have to add in uh, the Williams. I would say, well, actually, I would consider them winners for the weekend. I mean, they had a pretty good yeah. race. Sargent moves up to 11, and like I said, Albon got points. That's fantastic if you're Williams. <laughs> yeah, and then there's Alpine big losers and you know it's not here's the part that really stinks about this is that it's not that espan ocon and pierre gasly are bad drivers we know that they're not we know that they're pretty good drivers the alpine car is not on the same level as the front runners we know that but god bless man they can't finish a race it's bothering me and i like how both of them were locked into somewhat battles ocon a little less so but both of them were locked into battles and they just immediately retired when the battle started. that's what i'm saying they were in battles with their own cars it was the worst thing kind of like mclaren at the start of the year you know yeah but look what mclaren did Okay, looking back at the uh, the race weekend, some of the things that led to the race that we had, qualifying was fantastic. Everything at Silverstone is always fantastic. You might look at the racetrack and be like, this is kind of boring compared to others. No, those turns are perfect. Everything about Wicked. that setup is perfect. Um, at Silverstone, you have the fastest turns in, in some of the F1 circuits. You also have some of the best hairpins. I mean, you have some big, nice straightaways. It's a little bit of everything, and it makes for an interesting race. Qualifying was nice and rainy. And if you're new to F1, go back and watch the qualifying for the British Grand Prix, and you will see how much a track changes over the course of an hour. It went from running like 130, 129 to by the end of it, they were, or sorry, it was, a, it was over 130. By the end of it, they were running 127s. They were shaving off three seconds just because the track dried up a little bit. And that burned some people like Sergio Perez. (laughs) Who, again, like I said earlier, we would get into, and now we're going to do that. Sergio Perez, here's my problem. See, yet again, another great recovery drive. But yet again, another recovery drive. Why? Why, 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 why would you have the car that is just as fast as Max Verstappen's car? You don't even have to be as good as him. Let Max win. Fine. Get second. Why can't you do that? Why can't you qualify in the top 10? Why can't you make it to Q3? Why? I don't get it. I agree. This week, I'll give him a little bit of a pass and that it literally was whoever had the last lap in qualifying was going to have the best track conditions by tenths of seconds, like not hundreds of seconds, tenths of seconds difference. As they were doing the final two laps and qualifying, they were shaving off 
half a second at a time, like every time a driver would come around. So he did his last, he was like the first one to finish qualifying essentially. And then the 20, 19 other drivers all had faster laps because they had a better track to work on. But see, if you're going to be a team like Red Bull, who's won multiple, multiple drivers and constructors championships, why isn't stuff like that on your radar? Why isn't it like, okay, well, we see that the track's getting faster and faster and faster. So we need to make sure that we set up Sergio to where he's busting out a final lap when the track's at its peak. Why is that not a thought? for a team that is front running the competition. You're not, you're not wrong. It's, it's hard to v- validate his five recovery drives this season. At some point you've got to be in the top five, like a top five driver that you're supposed to be. I mean, you can go through the list. Oh, he had problems here. Oh, he messed up the underside of his car. Oh, it, it wasn't his fault. The track was getting faster, oh, but how many times can you do that? I mean, are we going to do that 20 times a season? 18, 17, we've done it, what, four or five times now? Probably the funniest moment of the uh, the qualifying was Max Verstappen just casually breaking his $100,000 front wing off in the pit lane. What was that? Like, I don't he understand. He just drove right into the wall and snapped He's, his wing in half. He said it was understeer, but I didn't know, I guess, that there was understeer when you're going three miles an hour. Maybe that's just me. Yeah, apparently there is. And uh, obviously, with it being the British Grand Prix, every time Lewis would show up near the top, every time Lando, every time George would show up near the top, they would cheer and erupt. And right before the very last lap of Q3, Lando Norris was on pole, and they were going wild. And then Max Verstappen comes around, takes pole, and they boo. Sure, and I get that. (laughs) He's going to be the villain for however long, as long as he's winning, just because that's how it goes. But man, that crowd for Lando Norris, wow, they were lit up about him. And then to kind of, I know I'm bouncing around here, but then at at the post-race press conferences, not necessarily when the drivers were up on the stage, but what right when they get out of the car and they're interviewing him right there. You see uh, when Lando Norris walked out, the crowd just erupts. And then whenever they pass the mic to Lewis Hamilton and he walks out, the crowd just erupts. I was like... This is such a cool feeling because it's like I said in my preview, I wanted to see a British driver win. And obviously I didn't expect that to happen. I expected the flying Dutchman to win once again, and that's fine. He's going to keep doing that. But man, the showing from the British drivers today, we had Lando Norris in three or yeah, Lando Norris in two. We had Lewis Hamilton in three, and then we had George Russell in five, five, right? Yeah. Right behind Oscar Piastri in four. Correct. Yeah, that is an awesome showing for the Brits. That was such a cool home race for them. Although Piastri's, yeah, Russell, Piastri's Australian. Russell's British. Yeah, yeah, Piastri's Australian, but Russell getting fifth. And then even Alex Albon getting points in the Williams. He's British. The Thai British driver. Yeah, he's got a little dual citizenship action going on. Uh I will say before the race too, obviously, obviously Red Bull going for a hundred percent wins throughout the season, which this was a big question mark for them as Red Bull hasn't won the British Grand Prix with either Max or Sergio Verstappen was going for his sixth consecutive win, which he ends up getting. He now joins Alberto Ascari, Michael Schumacher, Sebastian Vettel, and Nico Rosberg as six consecutive race winners. If you haven't checked out our last episode on the turn one formula one podcast, we cover how dominant Max Verstappen's season was, and can he win six more in a row? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody's going to stop him. Okay, let's uh, 
let's dive back into the race just for a couple more minutes and, and look at the things that really stood out. The radio calls in this race were all fantastic. We hit most of them in the recap. I am still just really stuck on Stroll only getting a five-second penalty for taking out a driver. I don't. I know it didn't really impact the point standings for the race, but how is that not more? I mean, what were you expecting him to get? Like ten second or something even more severe than that? Something more severe than ten? Like I twenty? I don't know. You took out a guy from the race. Like who there was sh- no question about it. He took who him shoved out. him off a turn before. Mm, they said there was room. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's hard to see that from. I hear my point though. Yeah, he was definitely in the wrong on that. Definitely shouldn't have done it. I think five might be a little light. I'm thinking more along the lines of 10. Anything 10 and beyond maybe seems accurate to me. I don't think you really need to go much past that because when you're thinking about the sport of F1, if you give somebody a five-second penalty, there's a good chance you just ruin their race, which in Lance Stroll's case wouldn't really matter because he would have finished 11th or wherever he finished. Who cares? Which is sad because right behind me here is an Aston Martin helmet, but that's how it goes. (laughs) He's going to have that be a McLaren next week, folks. I tried uh, to make it a McLaren for this one. <laughs> the other thing. So lap 20, Max Verstappen is watching the video boards. We've seen this from drivers before, mainly in Abu Dhabi, because there's some very apparent video boards that the drivers can see. I love when they go to Martin Brundle and he's asked if he was watching the video boards while he was a racer. And he said, I was just focusing on not crashing. <laughs> Which is what most people would be doing, not watching TV while they're driving around. The- I can't even look at my phone when we're playing like F1, the video game without putting it into a wall. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I like to run laps around that whatever track that they're going to be racing at on the game before the actual race itself, just so that I can get my familiarity back with it, kind of the turns and everything else. I had like the practice sessions running on the screen next to my game. And I was trying to run the the track along with him to see if the times matched up. And I would look over at the screen to see where they were at in the track. And when I looked back, I'm slamming into a wall and I was like, Hey, <laughs> how can you watch a TV while driving these things in real life? Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, to put my bow on this episode, I'll just uh, real quick look at the standings. Verstappen still in first, obviously with 255 points. Sergio Perez holding on to second with 156. Alonso in third with 137 points. There's still a battle to be had for two through five, I guess. Just Where is Lando at before this? Well, I guess now. Lando is in ninth at 42 points. He is still behind Lance Stroll and Charles Leclerc. 42 points. Okay. So then if you take off the 18 that he got from this race, what was he still in ninth? I mean, was he in 10th? Like, no, what, he would, what, he would drop down to 11th. Oscar Piastri is in 11th with 17 points. Ocon okay. has 31 points in 10th. 31 points. Ocon. Yeah. So 10th. he's ahead of, so Lando's ahead of Ocon. That was my point is I wanted to see mm-hmm. what their comparison to Alpine was. When you look at the constructors, Red Bull has 411 points to Mercedes 203. Gosh. Uh, Aston Martin in third with 181. That flipped last week, I think, when Mercedes passed Aston. Uh, Ferrari in fourth with 157. And then a big drop-off to McLaren with 59 points. But I think we're going to see that gap narrow in the next couple of weeks now that McLaren has a car worth putting on the track. So... My brother brought up an interesting point, and it might have been my brother. It might have been my dad. I can't remember. I, I talked 
F1 with both of them. But one of them made a point and they were like, how come the Aston Martins are looking slow now? And I pondered this for a while because I was like, yeah, why are they? But then here's the thought that I came up with. If you take away the Ferraris and you take away the newfound speed from the McLaren, the lineup is still the exact same. It's still Red Bull and then the Mercedes and Aston Martins duking it out. So it wasn't really that the Aston Martins are losing pace or anything like that. I think Ferrari and McLaren just brought some banging upgrades. And I think that Mercedes is going to continue to bring upgrades to where they're surpassing Aston Martin. I don't think it's that they're slower. I just think they're not upgrading as fast. Didn't Aston Martin roll out an upgrade package last week with Ferrari? I didn't hear about that. Um, Maybe they did. I could be wrong on that. If they did, that doesn't make me feel too good. I think Aston Martin rolled out an upgrade package with Ferrari whenever that was. Maybe it was before Canada. Oh, I don't know. But I I think they were in that battle, which is concerning because if they've already upgraded. You know what they did? They did roll out a big package for Canada because I believe Lawrence Stroll was calling for the Astons to go one, two or something like that in Canada. So that's concerning that they rolled theirs out and this is what they're doing now. Maybe it'll get better. We've been shocked so many. We've been shocked this season by Aston Martin starting the season hot. We were shocked this season when Mercedes completely dropped their zero pod design and went side pods that improved their car significantly. We were shocked when Ferrari rolls out a new floorboard that gave them a little more speed. Now we're shocked that McLaren is an entirely new car. Like, what's next? Is AlphaTauri going to join the party? I don't know. Probably not. But That's a fair point. So to your point, I think this season is definitely, you know, it's, I wanted to do this earlier. I thought about having this in this show. I changed my mind at the last minute, but I thought about if we had a graphic that was just all of the different drivers and the driver standings, and then you just cover up Max Verstappen. Think about how exciting of a season this is. I mean, we genuinely don't know who's going to take second. It could be for the longest. We thought it was just a battle between Alonzo and Sergio Perez. Then it was Alonzo, Sergio and Lewis Hamilton. Now you're throwing in Carlos signs because he's really quick and then occasionally Lou, uh, Leclerc whenever his consistency follows through and now George you, Russell you throw, huh George Russell and now you're throwing in Lando George Norris Russell, and now you're throwing in Lando Norris and a possible Oscar Piastri if he keeps up the form that he's been showing like this battle for second is insane it's one of the most like I said if you cover up Max Verstappen this is one of the most exciting seasons we've had in a while okay I think uh, that's all I have for the British Grand Prix If you have any comments or thoughts, or if we missed something from the race, certainly let us know down in the comments. Guys, if you think that Ryan Reynolds is going to help Alpine finish a race, let us know down in the comments. We we the money the 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 check hasn't been deposited yet. That's why they're why they're DNFing. I'm still trying to get over that, man. It's just I can't believe Deadpool's investing in Alpine. That's just ridiculous. I love it. All right, thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you. Bye, guys.